be who he wants to be for you. You know, God never intended on you to carry it all. He never intended on you to be the person that handles all the pains, the hurts, the injustices. He never intended on you to be the one that totes all that burden. And it's okay for you sometimes to say that it's just not well with my soul. And I believe that he wants you to be that honest with yourself. Amen. Today, uh, we're going to try to finish up our study of the book of Galatians. So if you have your Bible, uh, we will be in Galatians chapter 6. I thought last week would be the last time that I, that I preached uh, out of Galatians, but we found that I couldn't get through what needed to be uh, said. So uh, there will be 14 messages throughout this series. Now, also, if you would like this series, just be able to take it home with you. We are making those into DVDs, and we, uh, if you let the sound booth know, all those technical guys back there, they will get you a full set of, uh, of this, this series of messages of the studies of Galatians. There's 14 of them in there. You may want to go a little deeper. There may be some things that we covered that you were not necessarily sure about, uh, and you would like to just kind of dig in it a little bit more. So without uh, any further ado, let us just dig into the Scriptures and let us learn what I think uh, we need to learn from today or what I believe the Lord has shared with us today. We're going to begin reading in verse number 12, and we'll go through verse number 16. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. He's talking about outward adornment, things that we do outwardly, okay? And the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law. Yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor circumcision means, or uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule to the Israel of God. How many of you have ever heard of the word uh, proselyte or proselytizing? Maybe you've heard about that before. Proselytizing is an attempt to convert one from one idea or belief of religion to another. And uh, did you know, uh, most of the times, people who are doing these things, they really are trying to glory in their ability uh, and to bring you around to their way of thinking. Last week, I shared a thought with you that I have always kind of tried to stand by, uh, that when people want to come into the church and try to change the ideas or the doctrines or the uh, philosophies of the church, uh, I, I ask you that you give us the pleasure of being able to witness and to watch these actions being proclaimed and worked out in your life so that we can see what we are missing by not having what you have. Because if you are a person that truly is led by God and are doing things that God would have you to do, we're going to notice a great difference in your life versus what we're doing. And we are going to be compelled by the Holy Spirit to be attracted to you and want to know what it is that you are doing. Okay? So by you living your life the way that God would have for you to live it, it's going to show us that there's something about you that we need. This is what Paul was battling in the book of Galatians. He called them Judaizers. They were going into the church of Galatia and trying to change them from one way of thinking 
uh, that Paul taught them to another way of thinking. They were trying to pull the church away from the gospel of grace that Paul had shared with them over to a teaching that emphasized salvation through works. And there are still a lot of churches, beliefs, denominations out there that want to emphasize salvation through what you can do as a person rather than what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Now, uh, have you ever spoke with a person who said, Oh, I used to believe like you, but then I found the truth. Bless your heart. You ever talk to anybody like that? I have. I've, I've spoken with people like that. They say, you know, I used to believe that stuff, and then I discovered the truth. I, tell you, I want to tell you today that when you meet people like this, you need to really try their spirit. Try them for who they are, as the Bible says, to try the spirits and to see if they commune one with another. Someone that does this to you, uh, you'll very quickly be able to see that this person may or may not have truth. And you are going to notice what truth is very quickly through this person's life based on the way that they present their idea or their theory to you. Someone with the truth is not going to go around boasting in it about themselves. Always be aware of people that want to boast within themselves. Therefore, I have titled this message, The Boast with the Most. The Boast with the Most. And this is actually part two of last week. But whenever we understand what the boast with the most actually is, you cannot go wrong. So hold on to the end of the message, and I believe you'll see it. See what that boast is. Boasting in something we, is something that we are all very good at. And, and, and for some, proselytizing is like hunting a trophy buck or catching that big fish or doing that big thing that you do. That's what of, of a group of people that, that wanted to change who I was. Now, everything that I say from this point out is not to be thrown at you as daggers or nothing like that. Don't say, well, Brother Joey hates me and all that. Don't, don't say that. Don't think that way. I'm telling you of an example, a real-life example that happened to me, and it may have happened to you in some form or fashion or another. But I was in the crosshairs, and I still may be, of people that uh, they, they actually came to me and said that, Brother Joy, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And the basis that they based this on was the fact that I had never spoken in tongues. And since I had never spoken in tongues, they told me that I was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't know, uh, you know, this church isn't a church of the Pentecostal faith. It's not of the Pentecostal background. That's not where this church come from. And, and I don't practice speaking in tongues. Therefore, these folks thought that I needed to be changed. And I'll tell you right now, they tried very hard to get me to change. Now, to all of you who know me, you know that uh, I don't care if you believe that way or not. It makes me no difference. If that's the way you feel like you need to worship the Lord, that's fine. But as a whole, this church... That's not what it's founded upon. That's not the, the background that it is, and, and that's, that's perfectly okay. And what I love about this church is that it's not dogmatic or stuck on some idea or some philosophy that ignores or pushes other people away that have 
different thoughts and different ideas. I welcome different thoughts and different ideas because I know that in the long run, it's going to make me a stronger Christian because it sharpens who I am. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. And whenever this iron is constantly sharpened against each other, you and I as persons, as comrades, as biblical scholars of Jesus Christ's Word, we find out where we need to be. And I'm here to tell you right now that you will find yourself in a different place than I will find myself. My grandma was a person who would not have been caught dead in a pair of pants. Yet she was not a Pentecostal woman. She was old school. And that's just the way that she was. She push mowed her yard in a skirt. She went to church in a skirt. She bathed in a skirt. I don't know that. I'm just saying. That's just how radical she was, you know. That, that's, that's just who, who my grandma was. Now, does that mean that the Bible taught her that? No, it was her convictions and what she believed. And she wouldn't have not, not pushed that off on you. But what I'm telling you about this morning is what people were trying to push off on me. And what, what, what should cause anyone to change their mind about what you believe or what, or what is going on is not based on whether or not you push that belief off on someone. It should be, like I said earlier, that you practice this belief in your life so much and so repetitively and so convincingly that other people know that it's Christ working in you and not you trying to edify yourself or edify your agenda. And when we get to the place to where we are edifying Christ and we are edifying the church, it matters not about all the other things that are going on around us. Because if we are doing what we believe our motto is at New Life Church, that we are lifting Christ up so high that people see Him and only Him, and they never pay attention to us, we are doing what Christ called us to do. And if any church would say that, and they would believe that, and they would be convinced that it is Christ who saves, and not us, our philosophies, nor our dictations, nor our doctrines, but Christ and Christ alone, then you will see a revival take place across this world. Only until then. And that's what it's all about. It's not about your philosophy or your idea. Nor is it my philosophy nor my idea. However, since I'm the pastor of this church, I'm going to teach a philosophy. I'm going to teach an idea because it's what I've been convicted of and what I try to live my life as. And that's perfectly fine. You see, the only reason I can think of as I look back through my history and what was happening to me as I try to relate to what was happening to the Galatians, all I can think of for these people that were trying to change me and my idea They were only wanting to boast within themselves. Just like these Judaizers were trying to boast within themselves to tell the Galatians that the way that you are saved is through circumcision. The outward adornment or the outward things that you do, not what has happened on the inside of you. And I'm here to tell you and warn you again today that if there are people out there who will try to convince you that it is about the stuff on the outside and they never make mention of what is actually taking place on the inside, run, run, run. Because what is taking place on the inside is what matters the most. You see, the reason that I believe this is based all back on what I said earlier. You see, whenever we see things happening in another person, Whenever you experience the Holy Spirit working in a person's life, you notice a significant difference in their lives in the very first place, not in the third, fourth, and fifth place down the road. You notice something going on in their life. 
I would have been drawn to these people if they had a very significant difference in their lives simply because the fruit of the Spirit would have been portrayed and produced in their life. People want to sit around and they say that the... And I'm, and I'm, on, I'm on the talking in tongues things, because, but when people come and they say, but the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is you speaking in tongues. The Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't teach that. It doesn't... I mean, I'd like to see it. This is what I know that the Bible says the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is, is what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. That the fruit of the Spirit being shown in your life is love, joy, patience, self-control, goodness, kindness, meekness. All of these other nine ingredients that he told us about. And whenever those things are produced in your life, that, my friend, is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And because that evidence is shown in your life, it produces the gifts of the Spirit that come in your life. If we base... Everything like these people were trying to tell me and convince me of. That the Holy Spirit evident in your life is by what comes out of your mouth. Rather than the actions that you have in life. We have based everything that Christ came to do on what we say. Rather than the actions that we have in our life. Jesus Christ said this with his own mouth. This is how people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. You know, God, yeah, one to another is what it says. And so, you know, if these things of the Holy Spirit are being shown in your life, that's the evidence, my friend. And that's what I was trying to, to that's the way I have always tried to live my life. And that's the way that I still try to live my life today. No one has ever come to a closer relationship with Christ because someone boasted or glorified about themselves. No one wants to be associated with an arrogant religious fanatic who thinks that they have it and everyone else needs it. Believe me, if we need what you have or what someone else has, the Spirit of God's going to draw us to you. You won't have to make a show or draw attention to yourself. The Holy Spirit will do that. You see, the Bible says this. Paul went on in verse 14. He says, May I never boast. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boasting, friends, boasting is something that we all do very, very good. In fact, if we aren't careful, we'll slip into the trap about what others think about us. We'll slip into that trap and, and really care. And it's, it's like whenever the services are over, you know, and, and I'm standing out there, me and Katrina are standing out there, and you guys are coming by shaking our hands, and you walk up to me and you hug me and you say, Oh, my brother Joy, that was the best message I ever heard. And I step back and I say, it was quite impressive, wasn't it? You know, I'm beginning to impress myself. And have you noticed how humble I've been lately? You get it? This is boasting within ourselves. And I know that's a bit of an exaggeration. But really and truly, that's what we do if we're not careful. It is a trap that is set. That the, and you guys don't even realize that the devil uses you in that way. But whenever you come and you, and you say those things and you boast on somebody and you lift them up all the time, the devil will use that as a trap to pull that preacher, that teacher, whoever, whatever it is, whatever gift that they have in ministry that allows them to be set out in front of other people, they are all in danger of slipping into that trap of boasting. It's very easy for it to happen. 
And then we say, you know, something like people will say, Oh, Brother Joy, God is, has given me such, such an ability to just give to other people. That's great. Why are you bragging about it? But we do. We are easily drawn and prone to bragging, boasting about what we've done. Here's my question to you. Who gave me the ability to teach the Word of God? Who gave you the ability or the means to give? Who did? God did. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, working through us, allowing us to have the ability to give to other people, whether it be financially or whether it be in the ability of teaching the Scriptures or whatever you'd like for it to be. Here's my question to you. If God is the one who gave it to us, why do we like to brag and act like it's us who's doing it? Seems simple to me. Haven't we noticed the websites on the churches lately, you know, yeah, maybe y'all have been to our church website lately. If you hadn't, you should. There's a new slogan up there. It says, join us at 1045 as we brag about how many gifts we have to offer you. That junk's not out there. Don't, don't go looking for it. It ain't there. Some, one of y'all crazies is going to put it out there, though, I bet. But that's not what the churches do, is it? No, I hope that it's not. But, you know, if we lose focus of what it's all about, that's what we ultimately do. That's what we end up doing. We put ourselves out there and say, hey, we're not, we're not worried too much about lifting Christ up. We want you to come notice who we are, what we are, what we have to offer and all this. And we've got all these programs and we list all this stuff. And where's Jesus in the middle of it? And guys, I'm here to tell you that I've been one of them that's gotten caught up right in the middle of it. And then Christ have to come along and say, Joy, where am I in the middle of all this? And you just have to back up and say, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. And you have to move forward because we all do that. Who are we supposed to glory in? Jesus Christ. Yes, ma'am, you're absolutely right. She said it, didn't she? She said, we're supposed to glory in God. Little Presley said that. You see, everything that we have is because of Him. It's because of Jesus Christ. Our righteousness has been applied to our lives because of what He did on the cross. You see, who... Why, why do we boast about Jesus? What is it that Jesus Christ did that gives us the right and or the ability to be able to boast in Him? Because He's the one who made it possible for us to live a life of freedom. And I know that, that so many folks have no concept of what it means to live a life in freedom because many people just think and they're convinced that they're just going to give up and they're, uh, get up today and live today like they lived yesterday and I'm just going to sin I will, sin I must, and if I don't, I'm surely going to bust. And that's kind of the way we live our life. We just think we're going to get up and just, and just be a sinner because that's who we are. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible don't say that you just need to get up and be a sinner today. No, the Bible says that righteousness has been accredited to your account because of Jesus Christ. And you're righteous because of Him. And He tells us to get up every single day and live our lives as if we've been forgiven and as if we've never sinned against Him. That's why David said, Lord, I want to put Your Word in my heart, apply it to my life so that I might not sin against You. We don't get up in the mornings and say, God, I hope I sin against You, break Your heart and tear Your heart out. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. We should get up with this hope and this burning inside of us that I want to live my life the very best that I can today for God through His ability, through the power of the Holy Spirit living in me. And when we live that way, guys, we have this boasting that takes place in us in Jesus Christ and not in ourselves. You see, all through the Scriptures, we are taught that He came to save you and me from our sins, not in our sins. And the reason is not because we don't have a choice to do something about it. 
It's not because God hadn't given us the opportunity to do something about it. I'm convinced of this, and you can like it or not. I believe that we don't want to do nothing about it. You see, I had this, uh, this burning desire in my heart to start getting up in the mornings, early in the mornings, before anybody got up at home. And I wanted to have quiet time. And, and those of you that have kids in your, in your family, you know that there's not much quiet time in the house. Not much. It don't happen very often. So if you want it to happen, it's either got to be after they go to bed or before they get up. And I prefer before they get up. And so I set my alarm clock. I'd, I set it for 5 o'clock, and I'd get up in the morning. And, and, uh, and I, I told Katrina, I said, this, I'm going to get up in the mornings at 5, and I'll, I'll get up and start my day. I'll do my Bible reading, have my quiet time, yada, yada, yada. I did that. The problem was that the alarm clock was in arm reach. Because in the wintertime, when that bed is nice and warm and soft, you know that snooze button is very convenient. And I reach over and I hit that snooze button. One morning I counted, I counted doing it nine times. Tell me what the point is. That is miserable. Knowing that in nine minutes, that thing's going to go off again. That's the way my alarm clock works. Every nine minutes it's going to go off if you hit snooze. And Katrina looked at me and she said, Why do you keep doing that? Just don't set the alarm. And when mine goes off, I'll get you up. And so one day I chose to do something about it. I got my alarm clock and I put it on the other side of the room. And I set that baby at five. You know what time I get up now? Five. Because if you hate the sound of an alarm clock as bad as I do, you will get up. I hate it. It is the most annoying sound in all of history of mankind. It is annoying to me. And so that thing goes off and I get up and I go. And you know why? And before, whenever I was neglecting my time without having the self-discipline to get up and to do something about it, the reason my spiritual life or, or my study was declining was because I was given into the pleasure and the comfort of a warm bed. And the same thing happens to us spiritually whenever we tend to give in to the comforts of life rather than doing something to change the situation we're in. Well, I can't change it. That, yeah, you know what? You can change it. You've just got to want to change it. People say, well, how can I change the lifestyle that I'm in? How can I do things differently than I'm doing right now? One way that I made a change in my life, many of you know that I've had addictions in my life. It's just not been drugs and alcohol and those types of things. Mine was looking at stuff that I shouldn't look at without going into grave detail. And so what did I do to make, uh, make myself accountable? First of all, I found men in my life that understood the situation that I was going through. And we have a code. That, and Many of you guys are right here. There's a code between us that even you wives may not know about. But we can talk to each other and know exactly what we're talking about. And we can say certain things. And I know if I need to be praying for my brother or not. And I know that I need to get on one-on-one with God for them because they're struggling with these things. It's kind of the bro code that we go by. But what also I understand is that I brought somebody else into my life that I knew I didn't want to hide it from. And that was my wife. And so I went an extra step to protect not only myself, but also my family by paying for a filter system that controls every electronic device in my house. And if at any time somebody goes in there and does something they shouldn't do, it sends my wife an email. Accountability. I can't do nothing about that, Brother Joy. You sure you can. It's just going to cost you 15 bucks a month. It all comes down to what do you want to do to change it? You understand what I'm saying? Some people always, they always want to say that, well, I can't, I can't. I hate the word can't. 
Because when we say we can't change and we can't do anything about it, it comes down to you either wanting to do something about it or not doing something about it. You have to want to or don't want to. You've got to make the decisions. I want you to think for a moment about an an order. Just think for a moment if we had this ordinance passed in America that on tomorrow at 6 o'clock in the morning, this ordinance would take place. And every alcoholic beverage in America was to be poured down the drain and every person in America agreed to it. That'd be something, wouldn't it? That'd be a big deal. No doubt. That would be a big deal. But would alcoholism be cured? Why? Because the distilleries are still working. And they're just going to pump out a few more. Yeah, we might pass an ordinance and dump it all down the drain. But they're still pumping some in the bottles and in the cans. So you're not going to create, the, you're not going to change, you're not going to change alcoholism. You're not going to cure it. So the way that you change it is by doing away with the distilleries and the way that it's cured, right? Or the way that it's made. Now, I want you to take that and I want you to think about what Jesus Christ done on the cross. When Jesus came and died on the cross, He died for all mankind's sin. For the sin that they had, for them to be forgiven, and all that's great and wonderful and good. And I'm not discrediting anything Jesus done on the cross of Calvary. Because if He had not done what He done, we all would be doomed to a devil's hell. But it's not all that's required. Oh, Brother Joel, you're starting to teach like those Judaizers. No, I'm not. Jesus Christ died to forgive you of your sin. But here's the problem with the sin problem. Is that the sin factory still works. You understand? The sin factory still works. And the only way that the sin, lifestyle, the habits will stop is if you decide to do something about the sin factory. Let's look in the Scriptures just for a moment. Let me show you what Paul said. Paul says this in verse number 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You see, guys, when you watch Jesus Christ in the movie Mel Gibson portrayed of the Passion of the Christ, There's not a single Roman soldier that grabbed Jesus and drug Him to the cross of Calvary. Not a one. And I love the fact that Mel Gibson left this as pure as it possibly could be left. Because he shows Jesus Christ on His hands and knees, on the sharp stones, crawling on His hands and knees, walking, uh, crawling up to the cross, and falling over onto that cross, and laying there under His own will. Had they drug Him there, Everybody would be able to say, he didn't want to go, they made him go. Nobody made Jesus go there. He went willfully. He willfully went there. And this is what Paul said in the Scriptures. When you go on back in chapter 4 and chapter 5, he says that I am crucified with Christ. It doesn't mean that he walked up there and hung on the same cross with Jesus. It means that he is willfully, every day, climbing onto a cross. Nobody's dragging him there. And what you can have to understand today, what you have to come to the realization of, is that there is a cross with your name on it. And nobody can drag you there. But if you want the sin factory to be put to a stop in your life, you have got to be willing to crawl onto that cross and die to who you are. But how in the world do we do that? And you know the reason why it's so hard for us to do that? Because there's a throne in our heart. 
And the big problem with sin is the great big I that's stuck between the S and the N. I is the problem. You. You're the problem. And we have this throne in our heart. And it's a one-seater. You've all heard me tell you this before. But that's a one-seater. And there's only one ruler who can rule from that throne at a time. It is either going to be you or it is going to be Jesus Christ. You are Jesus Christ. The problem that we have in this world is that we like to wear these crucifixes around our neck. Jesus still hanging on these crucifixes. Jesus isn't on the crucifix in my life. Jesus is not still on the cross. And I'm here today to tell you that if Jesus is still on the cross, there is no way that He's on the throne. Are you listening? If Jesus is still on the cross, there's no way that He can be on the throne. Because if you have left Christ on the cross, you are the only one that's on the throne. And the only way that you can stop the sin factory of your life is for you understanding that you have got to crawl down off of your throne and crawl on to the cross so that Christ can come off of the cross and onto the throne. And only then will the sin making in your life come to a halt. I'm not telling you that you won't ever mess up or you won't ever fail. I'm telling you that you have a choice. And Christ, through His death and His resurrection on the cross and the coming and the power of the Holy Spirit living in you gives you the ability to live a life that is empowered for you to say, I don't choose to sin against God today. I'm going to choose to follow Him and live my life for Him. The Bible tells us as our musicians come, the Bible tells us that we are to take up our cross daily and follow after Jesus. Jesus is not going to lead you to a place of sin. He is not going to lead you to a bar. He's not going to lead you to a place of drunkenness. He's not going to lead you to a place of adultery or whatever else place that you think that you are that, that, that Christ has led you to and, and you're still living that way and, and, and everything's just hunky-dory. Christ didn't lead you there. It's yourself that led you there. And the reason that you led yourself there is because there's a moment in your life when you allowed yourself to rule from the throne. And this is why Paul says what he says. We should never boast within ourselves. And may I never boast about myself. The only thing that I want to boast about is the cross of Jesus Christ. But it is because it's because Him doing that that has given me the power and the ability to live my life in such a way that it is influencing to all of you people in Galatia. And the only reason that I, or the only way that I can be a person of influence to any one of you or you to anyone else is if Christ is the one who is living through you. You don't have to open your mouth and tell everybody that you're holy and that you're great and you're fabulous. Because if Christ living in you, they already see it. I want to read something to you that Charles Spurgeon wrote many, many years ago. You will never exaggerate when you speak good things of God. It is not possible to do so. Try, dear brothers, to boast in the Lord. You cannot say enough about what Jesus Christ has done. Talk about Christ. Brag about Him. Tell everybody how awesome he is. And whenever you have to, use words. 
because the way we live our lives is what shows people how awesome Christ is. One last thing before I walk away. Everyone who followed this rule, peace come into your life and mercy because you won't be concerned about what other people think about you. You're not worried about how you're acting in front of everybody else because you know the reason why you don't have to worry about how you act is because when this life that Christ has given you is lived out through you, you don't have to worry about doing the wrong things. How much freedom is there in that? And that's my prayer for you. The boast with the most is Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. Let's pray. Father God, we love You and we thank You for giving us something to boast about. We are Christians. Not just because we wear the name tag that says I'm a Christian. We're Christians because we're Christ followers. And Lord, I am convinced that we live in a world that is full of Christians, but there's not very many Christ followers. They're just Christians by name. Help us to not be Christians by name, but help us to be Christians because people see Christ in us. They see us following after You, doing things that You have instructed us to do. Lord, Help us to not be caught up in works that we perform or duties that we do, but help us to be caught up in Your Spirit living out through us based off of the fruit of the Spirit that is produced and how other people see it in us. That's my prayer for us today. So Lord, have Your will and Your way in this service. And God, I'm asking You today, if there are people here, if there's someone here today, God, that has not died out to themselves and lived and resurrected to You, God, help them to do that today. Help them to die out to themselves, to be crucified to this world so that it will die to them. And help them live completely and wholeheartedly for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand, church. I'd love to pray with you if you have a need. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, He's waiting and watching, watching for me come home come home ye who are weary come home earnestly tenderly Jesus
direction of the person to the one to the creator who does have all the answers father that is our prayer today that you will lead us guide us and direct us in every direction that we need to go it's in jesus name we pray all these things amen amen church would you be seated just for a moment in reverence as we have people that are still around the altar today I want to just kind of reiterate something that I just it just came to me it just occurred to me Paul made a statement there in the scriptures and he said he said it doesn't matter about the circumcision or the outward things that these Judaizers were trying to do to the people that's not what it's about what Paul said in the very end of that scripture what matters is a new creation a new creation what does it mean to be created and if you were to look at that definition, the definition would tell you that it is to bring into existence. God is the one that has the ability to bring into existence. Everything else, I'm not talking about creating a lake, going out there and digging a pond or something, and you created that lake or that pond. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ability to speak to Mount Rushmore and to tell it how high it would go. 
to speak to Mount Everest and it rise up from the depths of the oceans that He spoke into existence and it stops. I'm talking about